At the end of chapter 28, the last chapter, Lily was on her way back to her bedroom after meeting the tiger. Her mother happened to be up in the kitchen, and of course her mother wanted to know what she was doing up so late, and Lily told her she was hungry, so they shared a a container of kimchi, and then just as Lily was saying goodnight, Lily's mother saw the jar, and she wondered what that jar was. It looked so familiar. She said, I know I've seen it somewhere. Lily said she found it among her Halmoni's things. And then they said goodnight. But we're waiting to see what will happen because her mother recognized the jar. Chapter 29. I wake up late the next day, catching up on all the sleep I lost to the tiger. Sam's not here, but the window is closed and the rope is rolled up under her bed, so that's a good sign. I get dressed and braid my hair, checking on the star jars under my bed. I carried the tall one up last night, and now they're all together again, cuddled in a row like a little family. I head down the stairs, but after a few steps, something sharp digs into my bare feet. I lift my foot and realize it's rice uncooked grains scattered across the steps, which is weird. I brush them off, but I don't have much time to think about it because when I go downstairs, I see that Halmoni has cooked enough Korean food to fill the entire kitchen. Sam helps Halmoni humming to herself as she carries the finished dishes to the table, and seeing my sister fills me with relief. She sets mandu on the table, and I almost see her smile. But just as quickly, her happiness fades, and she shakes her head. I wish I knew what she was thinking. If I did, maybe I could reach out and catch Sam's smile before it falls to the floor and shatters. Mom cleans the kitchen, because that's what she always does. But even she seems happy, swaying back and forth to the music, playing on Sam's phone. One of the songs only Sam likes, with string instruments playing rock covers. Hamoni looks happy and healthy, wearing a pink and purple scarf over her hair, and smiling as she seasons the naengmyeon, my favorite noodles. When Halmoni cooks, the house seems to expand, like it's taking a deep breath, savoring the smell of her food. The ceiling seems higher, the walls seem wider, and the floorboards rumble like an empty stomach as they walk into the kitchen to join her. Are you doing a hosa? I ask. Sam shakes her head. Nope, we're just eating lunch on our own. The spirits can deal with it. Halmoni smiles at me. You hungry? She asks, without waiting for an answer. She picks up a piece of kimchi with two fingers and holds it out to me. Eat fast so spirits don't see, she whispers. In that moment, she's so much like Mom that I glance over at the kitchen sink, where Mom's polishing a dish. Mom must see the similarity, too, because she winks. I'm all filled up, because last night is like our secret, and that's nice, because Mom and I never share secrets. I eat the kimchi and mom says, I've been waiting for you to wake up, Lily. I actually spoke to Ricky's dad this morning and now you, Joni, Hamoni interrupts, grabbing a piece of kalbi and attempting to stuff the beef into mom's mouth. Mom protests, ducking her head away from the meat, but Halmoni insists, trying to shove it into her mouth. This is ridiculous. 
Mom says. She runs to the other side of the living room, so startled that she laughs. Hamoni chases her, moving surprisingly fast. Kalbi dangles from her fingertips. You eat! You eat! I look over at Sam, who's grinning despite herself. They're making enough noise to attract all the spirits in the neighborhood, she says, and I laugh. Finally, Mom gives up and opens her mouth. Goodness, Mother, she says, her mouth full of Kalbi. You listen, Hamoni says to Mom. The spirits say you need rest. You need to stop worry. Mom's eyebrows pinch. Not a storm cloud yet, but a shift in the air. You know why I'm worrying so much. Hamoni raises her hands in defense. Not me that say that spirits say that. When Mom rolls her eyes, Sam and I look at each other. Sam tilts her head toward the attic room. Let's go, she mouths. But I don't want to go. I want to stay here and bring the happy moment back. Hamoni, I say, trying to distract her. What else should we do to prep the food? Hamoni turns and shuffles across the room, grabs me by the wrists. Lily, the spirits keep telling you to be careful. Be safe. Be safe. They say that to me. I swallow and lie. I am. Besides me, I feel Sam stare, but I don't look at her. Hamoni leans closer and her eyes fall to my neck, to the pendant hovering right above my heart. Where you get that? I try to pull away, but she holds my wrists hard. What do you mean you gave it to me? No, that mine. Someone give me that long, long ago. I remember. She shakes her head. But I don't give you that. Why you say that? I don't know how to respond, but Sam interrupts. Hamoni, you did, remember? Hamoni turns and walks to Sam. When she reaches my sister, Hamoni runs her fingers over Sam's white streak. This like me when I get back at home. So long ago, so long I try to forget. My limbs go cold. The pendant, the white streak. They were both in the star stories. So this is another consequence. And how many more consequences can I handle? How many can Halmoni handle? Mom steps in, pulling Halmoni away from Sam. Don't scare them, she whispers. We should eat now. Halmoni looks back and forth between Sam and me, confused. Her eyes don't adjust properly. It's like she's seen a different world. But when Halmoni looks into my eyes, she recoils. A tiger, she hisses. I step back. What? No, Hamoni, it's me. My heart roars in my ears. The whole world is upside down. I want to run from her. Hamoni sways a bit, dizzy, unsteady. I wait for her to recognize me, to see me. I am her little egg, her lily bean. But she frowns. You are... I wait for her to finish. I wait and wait, but she doesn't. And I realize she can't remember. And it's not just that, but there's something worse, too. A flash of panic behind her eyes. It's not that she can't remember my name. It's that she can't remember me. She doesn't know me. She doesn't see me. There's a bottom-out feeling in my stomach because she's a stranger in Halmoni's skin. Who is Halmoni without her memories? And who am I without Halmoni? Voice cracking, I whisper. It's me, Lily Bean. 
Hamoni smiles, a plastic mom fake smile. Yes, my lily bean. I um I go rest now. She kisses me on the forehead and I flinch. Come on, mama, mom says, guiding her back into her bedroom, shutting the door behind them, locking us out. It's okay. Sam takes a shaky breath. It's just temporary. She'll be back to normal soon. I nod, but I can't make myself speak. The library, Sam exclaims out of nowhere. I blink at her, trying to make sense of the world. Jensen's making signs and stuff today. She grabs her raincoat and slips it on. Let's go. Right, somewhere in my memory, I know Ricky mentioned that, but I'm not sure how Sam knows. You actually want to do that? Sam looks confused, as if she always participates in community activities and doesn't understand my question. Of course, Jensen and I have been talking, and yeah, you know, it's nice to help out. When her eyes meet mine, they are helpless, and I don't want to be here right now. Sam's out the door before I can respond, and I only have a split second to decide. Stay or follow. I'm not in the mood to see people and act happy right now, but one glance at Hamuni's closed door makes up my mind. I can't stay here anymore. Chapter 30 Sam and I reach the library, and when we open the doors, I hear music and laughter. The change of atmosphere is disorienting. On one side of the library, Jensen crowds around her laptop with a girl and a boy who both look about her age. And on the other, Ricky sits with his back to me at a table with two other boys. I'm overwhelmed and want to turn around immediately, but Joe stops me. Lily! He shouts over the pop music, almost smiling. I walk up. I walk over to him and introduce Sam, who shakes his hand and smiles as if nothing's wrong and our lives are totally fine. Joe pulls a cupcake out from behind his desk and hands it to me. I take it, not quite knowing what to do. I'm making a tester batch, he says. His mustache twitches, twitches above his smile. Let me know what you think. It's a nice gesture, but I don't think I can eat it. I'm too anxious right now. I feel like everyone can see sick grandma written on my forehead, and I don't want to face the world. Jensen sees us and dances over, hips bop-bopping to the music. Sam, her smile is so big it makes double parentheses on her cheeks. And Lily, I'm so glad you're here. She looks at Sam for two heartbeats and says, You any good with tech? We're setting up an email newsletter for the library and scaring Joe with all this newfangled technology. Sam laughs. And if it weren't for the tension in her shoulders, I would think she forgot about what just happened. Jensen pulls her away, and then I'm standing alone in front of Joe's desk. This is why I didn't want Sam here. When she's here, there's no space for me. I can't stay home. I can't stay here. I am lost. Lily, Joe clears his throat, looking concerned and uncomfortable. What's the matter? Nothing. I should go, I say, even though I really don't want to go home. Joe frowns. Don't you want to see the noisy kid and his friends? I look over at Ricky and his group and shake my head. 
Joe sighs, and then, as if he's already regretting it, he says, You can talk to me. I don't mean to, but it's like he said a magic spell, and I do. My Halmoni used to tell these stories when I was little, and I really loved them. But now I'm learning these new stories, and they're different. They're scary, and I think they're dangerous because they're making things change in ways that I don't think are good. Actually, I think things are worse now, all because I decided to hear these new stories and I realize I'm not making any sense. So I take a breath and add, I just miss the way things used to be. I don't want anything to change. I clamp my lips shut, horrified that I've said so much, but opening up is also a relief. I glance back at Sam and Jensen and Ricky and the rest, but they're busy and they can't hear me over the music anyway. Joe nods slowly. As you get older, you collect more information and you see things from different perspectives, so naturally sometimes the stories you tell yourself can change. I twist my hands together, but what if those stories aren't what you want them to be? His eyes are soft. Do you know why I became a librarian? I wait for him to tell me because, of course, I don't. Do, he says, as in the decimal system. I'm not sure if he's joking or not, but he continues. I like order. I like organization. The idea of all the information in the world, all organized, everything in its place, I like that idea. He clears his throat. But I've been doing this job for a long time, and the thing I've learned is that stories aren't about order and organization. They're about feelings, and feelings don't always make sense. See, stories are like... He pauses, brow furrowing, then nods, satisfied in finding the right comparison. Water, like rain. We can hold them tight, but they always slip through our fingers. I try to hide my shock. Joe doesn't seem like the poetic type. His caterpillar eyebrows knit together. That can be scary, but remember that water gives us life. It connects continents. It connects people. And in quiet moments when the water's still, sometimes we can see our own reflection. Do you understand what I'm saying? Kind of, I say, even though I'm not entirely sure. Joe's eyes are almost shiny, and I wonder what slipped through his fingers. I've just thought of him as grouchy librarian man, but I realize now that I saw only a piece of him. His story is so much bigger. He's had this whole life, a life I might never know about. Thanks, Joe, I say. He looks over my shoulder. Well, the noisy kid is waving rather frantically. Behind me, I hear Ricky's voice. Lily! I turn to see Ricky with the other boys. Hello, he says, grinning. These are my friends, and now they're your friends, too. He introduces them. Connor, a pale boy with green plastic glasses, and Adam, a freckly kid with curly red hair. The three of them match each other. All boys, same skin tone, same height, same burst-out-of-your-skin energy. Adding me to this mix is like throwing a carrot into a bowl of fruit salad and hoping nobody notices the difference. 
I try to act like a regular girl. I try not to go invisible. I try to pretend that everything is fine at home. But I'm trying so hard that I forget to respond. Hi, I mumble after a second, forcing a smile. Connor and Adam stand around Ricky, with him at the center. Turns out I was right. Ricky is a sticky person. Oh, man, how'd you get one of Joe's cupcakes, he asks. I look down at my hand. I forgot I had it, and I hold it out for him to eat. You're the best, he says, as he takes it and bites into it. These are so good, but I'm still craving pudding. Connor, with the glasses, snorts, pudding, Ricky? Really? Pudding is gross. Ricky shakes his head, offended. Chocolate pudding is the fourth most delicious food. Everyone, everyone knows that. He looks over at the teenager table. I'm going to ask Jensen if she has any pudding cups. Adam of the Freckles shakes his head. Dude, chill. He turns to me and his eyes crinkle. He looks familiar, though I'm not sure why. So, Lily, where are you from? My brain goes blank for a second. Then I say, I'm from across the street. For some reason, I feel like that wasn't the answer he was looking for. But he gives me half a nod and a quick jerk of his chin. You mean the house on the hill with that lady? She's my grandma. Connor's eyebrows go high. The crazy, which lady is your grandma? I want to tell him crazy is not a thinking word, but my mouth feels dry. Connor keeps talking. That's so cool. I heard she, like, does spells and curses people. Did she teach you how? Can you put a curse on someone? I, like, I look to Ricky, waiting for him to defend Halmoni, to defend me. But he just takes another bite of the cupcake and nods along. Adam says, nah, she doesn't curse people. She curses them. My mom is convinced Lily's grandma helped her asthma. But my mom also believes in TV psychics, so who knows? And I realize why he seems so familiar. I met his mom at the grocery store. They have the same red hair and freckles. She's one of Halmoni's friends. Connor is unconvinced. I don't, I don't know. The witch lady is scary. I lift my fingers to my neck, searching for the pendant, but I drop it quickly. It's not safe anymore. I guilt claws at my stomach. I should defend Halmoni, but all my words have evaporated. And for a moment, I don't want to defend her. For a moment, I wish she were a normal grandmother who makes brownies instead of kimchi, who knits scarves instead of mixing strange Korean herbs. Ricky finally speaks, mouth still full. Guys, Lily's grandma's not scary. It's not her fault. She's like that. She's sick. So she has hallucinations that make her act that way, like scared of ghosts and tigers and stuff. Right, Lily? The ground becomes a black hole, a tiger's mouth. Jaws open wide and I'm falling in, swallowed whole. He wasn't supposed to tell. But that's not even the worst part. The worst part is that when I heard Ricky say that, it felt like the sickness is all that Halmoni is. Like the sickness is the reason for how she is. But Halmoni isn't like that because she's sick. She's like that because she's Halmoni, because she's magic. She's always been that way. 
Now it feels like there's something wrong with that. Hamoni buys rice and pine nuts and herbs to cast magic. She feeds spirits. She believes in all the things you cannot see. She lives in a house at the top of a hill, a house covered in vines with windows that watch like unblinking eyes. She is a witch looming over the town, but something out of a fairy tale. She's not normal. I'm not normal. And I thought, Ricky was on my side, but he's not. He's horrible, like those horrible other boys, and I was wrong to think we could ever be friends. I feel like there's a spotlight on me, and my eyes start to burn. I look at the floor, begging myself not to cry. Connor looks uncomfortable, eyes starting between Ricky and me. Pudding, he blurts. Ricky, maybe you should ask Jensen for pudding now. I'll get it, I say, grateful for the escape. I walk away fast. Ricky calls after me, but I need to get away from them. I walk down the hallway past Jensen and Sam and the other teenagers, past rows of books into the staff room at the back of the library. It's quiet back here, and the silence sounds like relief. The cat poster tells me to hang in there. I take a deep breath and open the refrigerator to take out a chocolate pudding, and then I stop. This is ridiculous. Ricky was mean to me, and I didn't stand up for Halmoni or myself, and now I'm fetching a pudding, him a pudding. That's pathetic. That's classic QAG behavior. But a thought pops into my head, uninvited. It's not a thought that should belong to me. It's like it comes from somewhere else, entirely. But as I stand there, staring at the pudding, that thought settles in my stomach, thick and heavy as mud.